You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. On the calendar, look at that, another year gone by. So we got a marathon coming up in McAllen. Karina Jimenez is with the Parks Department. Happy New Year, Karina. How you doing? Happy New Year. How are you? So what information can you give us on the big event, coming event, this annual event in McAllen? Well, we, here we are again, just like you said. You know, we celebrated our 10th anniversary last year, and so we're excited to keep the tradition going of the McAllen Marathon Scott Crane Run, which, um, as you know, is a Boston Marathon qualifier, which we're really um, proud of being able to offer that here to our residents and everyone who comes to visit for the race uh, from around the country. Uh, it is a single-day event on January 20th, 2024, coming up just in a couple of weekends. Uh, and, you know, we, we definitely have races for everyone. We have our full marathon, half marathon, relay marathon for six people. So, you know, your team of six, you really don't uh, run that uh, long of a distance. So definitely for everyone <laughs> in that those categories. And then, of course, the 5K and 10K. And our partnership with McAllen ISD for the kids' final mile that we're really proud of. So lots of activities going on at the McAllen Convention Center uh, in just, you know, a couple Saturdays here. The Boston Qualifier McAllen Marathon, the Scott Crane run, uh, mm-hmm. would, do those runners run first or are they the last ones to take off from the starting line? Do you know? They, all the runners start at 7 a.m. that are running the full half or the relay marathon. So hmm. if you're uh, running the 26.2 or the 13.1 or the relay, you start at 7 a.m., uh, that Saturday, the full marathon runners uh, run the 26.2 miles. One thing that we implemented last year to our already fast course, this course is considered fast, flat, um, easy to run, okay. is that we integrated it as a double loop. So what that means is for our marathon runners, it's just high activity, high um, support along the whole route, whereas they never hit that dead spot really far out of town, right, or out, you know, um, in the outskirts of McAllen. <laughs> so we found that that alone really helped our, our marathon runners in terms of their qualifying time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so what happens is they qualify based on their time, and then they submit that to Boston um, as an application to be selected to be able to run the Boston Marathon. Well, that's good that you tightened it up and brought it. You kept trying to keep it within the city. Yeah, I'm sure some of these runners hated going out to the periphery of the city, being chased by dogs. <laughs> Part of the, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if there was any of that, but yeah. definitely they I'm just hit a, a spot where they might have been yeah. more alone um, in terms of not having that support along the route, yeah. the cheering stations and everything. And one thing that was so exciting for us last year is with this double loop, the entire route was just full of activity, full of support for the runners along the entire route. I mean, That's nice. we had residents coming out in front of their homes and cheering on these runners. And it really, really was just a great event for all of our participants. Karina Jimenez is with the Parks Department, City of McAllen. The Scott Crane Run, the marathon, which is the McAllen Marathon, which is a Boston marathon, uh, marathon qualifier, will take place on January 20th. Uh, of course, there are entry fees for all Right. Like, can you run through that real quick? Yes. The entry fees start, on, start at only $35 for the 5K and uh, go up to go up based on the race. So $10, uh, $45 for the 10K. Um, our full marathon right now is at $120 um, just based on the, the current uh, scale that we've done at this point 
uh, leading up to the event. Is there prize money, Karina? Like if you're, you uh, are first in whatever there category? Is, there is prize money in specific categories as well as awards for all um, winners, first, second, and third in different age categories, male and female. So there's definitely that um, incentive uh, for those that um, place in those positions. And, of course, we have uh, amazing finisher medals and finisher shirts that all the runners get. Do you need volunteers to work, I don't know, like the water stations or donut stations, whatever you set up on, yes, on the path? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we love to have uh, volunteers participate and, you know, the wonderful thing about volunteers is that they're just, they're, you know, a volunteer is a service-oriented person who just wants to contribute and support. And we love to be able to provide them with that opportunity and welcome them into the, you know, the City of McAllen family in terms of that backstage experience that we would like to offer them. So always um, definitely uh, open to volunteers, and they're welcome to reach out to our team at Las Palmas Community Center for more details at 681-3350. 681-3350. That's the number mm-hmm. over at Parks. Karina Jimenez, McAllen Parks, the annual mm-hmm. marathon at McAllen, January 20th. That would be a Sunday, right? A uh, Saturday. A Saturday. Okay. Saturday, yeah. January 20th. Saturday, yes. January 20th. We also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we also have our runner, um, our bag, our runner packet pickup and uh, health and wellness expo happening Friday, January 19th at the McKellen Convention Center from 3 to 8 p.m. And we invite everyone to come out, support the runners, like we said, uh, on Saturday the 20th and stay for our extra mile event, which is our post-race celebration happening there in Oval Park uh, at the McKellen Convention Center. The full marathon how many runners last year, for example, did you have running the full 26-plus miles? We had several hundred uh, runners wow. running the full. Hundreds. Uh, and so it's it's pretty exciting to get those runners out here who it's, it's just amazing to me, you know, seeing that full marathon runner coming in right over two hours. So I mean, that crazy. It, Wild. So in the running community, they know McAllen is a Boston qualifier. That means people playing in, they – they travel to McAllen from other markets, yes. it, right? Yes. Wow. Yes. We've had um, over um, 16 different states uh, join us, three different countries uh, over the life of the event. You know, each year, those are kind of our our normal numbers in terms of those that come to visit McAllen for this event. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's okay. That's a tourism. It spurs a little tourism, not only the runners, but the teams that, you know, folks who Yes. Come in a system as well. That's very interesting. Okay, and overall of the hundreds plus that we get that are full marathon runners, overall, how many uh, half marathon? Everybody else, kids. Overall, how many people participate in the overall? Overall, uh, for the event, we have over ten thousand participants. Oh, are you serious? Uh, participants wow. and spectators. Yeah. Oh, plus the spectators. You said right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. No, but the actual people that are running around. Uh, how many of those, like ki- including the kids? We have everybody. several thousand of those. Several those thousand. make the majority. You know, wow. with a marathon, you have maybe you know, um, you know, spouse and child come out and support, yeah. or yeah. parents, and so um, it's definitely a great event. And the starting point is the, con- not- the. I'm sorry. The starting point is the convention center. Yes, the start and finish line is the McAllen Convention Center. Okay. 
Anything else we need to know, like um, register online, a website, or something like that? Yes. Yeah, so all of the details of the race are uh, can be found at McAllenMarathon.com. Uh, for regarding uh, the single-day event, Saturday, January 20th, with all of those amazing races that we talked about. You can register online. We still have um, registration available for all of the races. It is going fast. These last two weeks get um, pretty filled pretty quick, but Uh we invite everyone to visit the website for all of the details and also to learn more about the McAllen Marathon Scott Crane Running Series, which features uh, 5K and 10K races throughout the entire year that you can participate in uh, and be included in that race series category uh, at the McAllen Marathon where you receive another uh, amazing finisher medal for completing all of the uh, series races across the year. Very, Just for funsies, uh, as a fun, you should do like a one in the running series. You should m- make one of them like a, a Scott Crane lookalike. Like everybody dresses like Scott Crane ah. to be part of the show. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great idea. Like that. right. uh, all this, uh, the money, uh, the registration, all that goes to pay for the expense, right, of putting it together and then the prize money. Correct. Or do you collect it uh, for Correct. scholarships or what do you do with all that money? Um, all of the proceeds from the McAllen Marathon Scott Crane Run definitely go to uh, continuing to enhance the event, continuing to provide that high-level runner experience that uh, we strive for every year. All right. Well, best to you and the crew at, at City Parks and City Hall putting this together. Again, it's John. Thank you so much. Saturday, January 20th. Saturday, January 20th. It's the, I guess, the, the 11th go-around. No, 11th go-around for the... A Scott Crane run, the marathon in McAllen, which is a Boston Marathon qualifier. The number at Parks, if you want information, 681-3350. The website, McAllenMarathon.com. Anything else, Karina? I don't. Just, you know, all of those details, like we mentioned, are on McAllenMarathon.com, our social media pages. And uh, you can reach out for volunteer opportunities to Los Palmas Community Center at 681-3350. Uh, and all of the details um, as well at 681-3320 at the McAllen Parks and Recreation Department. We hope you have an awesome event. Thank you, Karina. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Education note this from Pasco County, Florida. So in Florida, in that school district, new school year, providing a, a different type of schedule. Uh, this Florida County adding a four-day weekend, many breaks, to try to improve attendance. So an individual from North Texas, Eric Eager. I did say your last name right, right, Eric? Yep, you got it. Okay. I've had him on the program before. Um, Education Pro is on the Board of Trustees with Richardson Schools. 
What do you make yeah. of their approach, the four-day weekend, which I think is is staggered. I don't think they do it. Maybe they do it like every month or something like that. But what do you make of that approach to try to encourage attendance by giving kids a four-day weekend? Well, I think what what they're trying to do, there's a couple of things that they're trying to do. Um, you know, One is that there's a lot of parents, you know, there's various times throughout the year where you got to pull kids out for, you know, name it. You know, I, I've... Uh, I've got 21 year old twin boys now, you know, so I could tell you every, everything you see under doctor's appointments to, you know, scheduling a bunch or, you know, just family vacations for some, you know, those are lucky enough to have that uh, available to them. So what they're trying to do is, is, is that if you can give parents times during the year where they could schedule that time, that'll help out with pulling kids out for different things because attendance is key. The other thing they're trying to do is that it also gives teachers breaks um, from a, a planning perspective, from uh, you know them just kind of kind of mental health days kind of thing too. Now a lot of people are saying that uh, you know there is a concept of um, in some rural counties what they've actually done in Texas and uh, a number of them is these. Um, four-day work weeks. Now, that, that goes all the way to the extreme. And what they end up doing is they just end up adding more hours at the end of the day on four days and leave the fifth day, um, you know, for teachers or planning, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But um, there's some challenges with that, that particular, because a lot of kids, you know, there's just only so much education you can take in a day. I don't know too, but I've I've sat through all-day conferences, and, heck, I'm exhausted by noon. <laughs> so, those are usually very enjoyable naps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just give me the notes. I'll take yeah. them. I'll, I'll sleep through. The, the challenge is making sure they don't hear you snoring. That you got to put, like, a mouth guard. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's why they turn the AC way up to keep you away. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's the kind of things they're just trying to uh, – and then keep in mind, too, you know, like in Texas – we are we we um there's so many minutes of instruction we're required to have in here so it's kind of like if you if you add it here you're going to squeeze it somewhere else on your calendar now um so a lot of people think it's just going to be like oh you're getting this plus all these vacation breaks throughout you know throughout the year what they're doing is shifting it to different time frames so you get the same amount of days off but they're just going to have to borrow from other areas yeah. um, at those time frames. So that's, you know, they're just trying to be a little innovative, but it'll help with parents scheduling time off, et cetera. Um, and then the idea behind that is that then it will help with the attendance um, because you're not having to mess. Uh, you know, you can plan those activities around that because you got more breaks throughout the year, if that makes sense. They're probably digging into some of the uh, summer break days in order to create those four-day weekends in Florida. Yeah. yeah, like there was discussions, but back, you know, kind of post-COVID, of you know, there was this concept of year-round schooling, which when I first heard that, and, and they, these are all options. I'm not saying it's just for, for some school districts, these are just kind of things they have to look at. And year-round is because what happens um it, it's not as as uh as big as i thought i was gonna you know when i first heard it because what happens is like like you get to high school your breaks because if you get kids in band and football and uh, activities 
your break really only turns out to be about six weeks. Yes. But the, the thing they do is they just end up breaking that out through the whole year. And um, it helps kids with the um, – you, you have this big potential learning loss during the summer because you just kind of retention. You you go off and do, do all your summer stuff, and you come back, and you you, gotta, you forgot half the stuff. Yeah. So uh, that's the extreme. But, it, you know, in this particular case, they're just trying to break it up through the year um, to help with the attendance. Mm-hmm. Because that that is the key for you know student outcome and you know helping our kids is mm-hmm. making turn you know because half a life uh, is just showing up you know and if, if you're there yeah every now and then you know even even if you know you, the temperature is cold and everything something sinks in because you're there and you're paying attention. News out of Florida kicking kickstarting this conversation with Eric Eager. He's from North Texas. He's um, a trustee at at a school district in North Texas, uh, Florida County added a four-day weekend, little mini breaks to try to improve attendance for their schools. We're tossing this around. I wish that we, from as a result of COVID, Eric, I, I wish that lawmakers would consider uh, maybe providing an option where, you know, as you and I work for a living, we have, many of us have, you know, aside from sick days, we have like personal days that we can schedule yeah. where maybe those personal days in order to meet the hours of instruction that are required, go to an online learning option where those three days or four days a year, you could bank those and use those as needed by the family for, as you said, either, well, not the medical, more, probably more like functions or weddings or conferences, things like that, right? Where, they could stay at home, but still go online, take their tests, take their, do their homework and exams, and bank, um, you know, check in for those instructional hours. But I don't think that has ever been considered uh, by anyone. I, I've, I haven't heard any of that. It's, I, it's only something that, like for me, I, I got kids in high school and, and junior high. That type of stuff rolls through my head because that would have been a thing. As a result of COVID, would have been an easy segue to use the online option to teach, uh, or instruct, or yeah. maybe even use the summer for for tutorial sessions during the summer uh, to keep the, the mind fresh. Yeah, which I, um, you know, and it, you know, with with the proper resources, you know, you can make those available. Um, the challenge is if you have a, you know, in person instruction, then it's. Um, then you got to have somebody else online. So either a you got to have an additional or different teaching resource, or you got to have the equipment in the classroom to kind of have that um, you know multi-channel uh, instruction going on, and which causes you know disruptions and challenges to the teacher. So, but you know in today's environment, you know with with the the funds that we've got available in education. You know, I think everybody across the country is just trying to be creative um, with, you know, every minute of additional instructional time we can get in there. I wonder and, if... Uh, and also honor honor the, you know, families because, you know, life happens. Yeah. You know, you got weddings and those yeah. kind of things happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of these families will take an unexcused absence. You know, they'll need to leave yeah. for a four-day weekend somewhere to be, be with other yeah, families. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. And hey. um, it's it's challenging for the kids and it's, it's actually challenging from a 
on the other side of it, of just running and managing a school district, um, you know, funding is always, you know, yeah. it, it has it now and it always is. But the, um, you know, the way that um, the funding works is that in Texas you get um, average daily attendance. And so you, you try to ball car, you know, ballpark that and budget it. But if, uh, if kids are, you know, butts and seats, the way we work mm-hmm. in Texas, is if they're not butts and seats, you're not getting funding. There's no dollars there for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, exactly. Eric. Uh, success in 2024. Thank you for joining us today. He's a, a trustee for schools in North Texas, Eric Eager. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. I'm going to do a quick rewind, take it back to Friday, because I quickly mentioned this on the talk show. It was some of the news of the morning, mid-morning, Friday. They said that congressional Republicans, some congressional Republicans, and I have no idea where they got this from. Maybe it was the Freedom Caucus that was barking, making some news. But they said on Friday that congressional Republicans, again, I'll put the qualifier, some congressional Republicans, are threatening to shut down the government if Democrats did not pass H.R. 2, House Resolution 2, that would restrict, put some restrictions on asylum seekers, make it harder to seek asylum, some border wall money, other things like that. And then driving this morning to work early in the morning, I'm hearing headlines from Fox News, that the U.S. House and Senate have agreed to a spending measure. Some they're going to keep the government open through 2024. What happened? Okay, so let me bring in CEO of Freedom Fund USA, Ashley Smith Thomas. Happy New Year, Ashley. Appreciate you. Would you consider the Would you consider this a noodle-spined approach by the speaker, our new speaker? Did Did he bend a knee to the Democrats this past weekend? That's such a great question. And again, thank you for having me. Um, you are right. It was surprising because when you see last week, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, along with GOP colleagues at Eagle Pass, Texas, they're at the border mm-hmm. um, and their sentiments on how we need to get House Resolution 2 passed. Some of his colleagues have stated that they were not going to vote on um, any uh, spending bill unless the border was secure. And then you're right. Come over the weekend. Speaker of the House struck a deal, both with uh, Republicans and Democrats, and it's the same exact deal that uh, President Biden, then former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, made during negotiations last year over the government's debt limit. So uh, the government will not shut down. It is top-line spending for the fiscal year of 2024 at $1.59 trillion dollars. Over $886 billion have been agreed to go to defense. And $704 billion in non-defense spending that Democrats insisted upon during the debt limit negotiations. Um, and that, that also included $10 billion in cuts 
to the IRS and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer stated yesterday that there's $20 billion in cuts that were agreed to. Um, so again, it's really contradictory to what was being said last week. So it's evident that Speaker of the House did not share the same sentiment as his colleagues um, by going ahead and pushing this um, spending deal to be made over the weekend in order to prevent a government shutdown. So what's going to be interesting to see is, is Speaker of the House now going to look at the appropriation bills, which is the border security funding to Ukraine and funding to Israel. Um, I hope he does real soon because we definitely need to secure our border, which I'm no, you are fully aware, being Donna McGowan. Stronger border measure is part of the conversation when it comes to that spending idea. Ukraine, Israeli money, uh, at the same time, more border security. I'm wondering if maybe Mike Johnson and, and Chuck Schumer had to sit down and, say, and maybe Johnson said, look, you give me this on the legislation, more border security, stronger asylum rules, things like that, and I'll give you... I'll give you just a, a go-ahead for this budget agreement so we can just keep government open through 2024. I mean, it's it's the give and take that is natural to, to D.C. I would hope that in the end we have a, a stronger support or some type of support for stronger asylum rules that hopefully would decrease the number, you know, this flood that comes across the border. Absolutely. And that's basically what HR2, the House Resolution 2, which is the Border Security Act of 2023, states. And what they want is to stop asylum abuses, um, as well as go ahead and begin the construction of the border wall, and then also prohibit the Biden administration from issuing special humanitarian um, uh, protection over migrants that come across the border. So it'll be interesting to see what occurs. To your point, um, Hopefully we can see this border security and what we're seeing, though, is Democrats are trying to tie the Ukraine funding to the border security. And of this spending, I'm, I'm not under the impression that the border security was tied to the spending bill. It sounds like it's two very separate issues. Um, and so that's why I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the coming days. You know, when you look at government shutdown, too, on the flip side, I'm sure it was it was very hard for Speaker Johnson to um you know, make this this agreement and, and decision because we don't know what what Kevin McCarthy agreed to with Biden. We don't know what those negotiations look like or, you know, how binding they were. And so Speaker Johnson had to do what he probably felt like he had to do, you know, in making sure that we don't shut down the government because when you shut down the government as well, um, that would also mean that CBP, your Customs Border and uh, Border Protection, that they're not going to be able to... Yeah. Um, they're not going to be able to uh, secure a border. So yeah. just, I, I agree with. Oh, they'll with, stay on the job. Uh, they just won't get a paycheck until. Open. Yeah, they'll, they'll stay on the job like we've seen before. They'll stay on the job. They'll yeah. do their job, but they won't get a paycheck until you know everything is resolved and have to rely on. We were at one point had, they had to rely on charity. People were actually making donations to help them get by and buy food and things. It's ridiculous. All right, Ashley, thank you for your comments. Uh, CEO for me. from Freedoms Fund USA, Ashley Smith Thomas. This is the Sergio Show. In the world of politics, Nikki Haley, she wants Donald Trump on the ballot, urging the high court to keep Donald Trump on all ballots. 
She wants to beat him fair and square. I think she said she will beat him fair and square. I'm trying to hold back the laughter uh, on that one. Let me bring in a friend from the world of politics, GOP strategist, GOP strategist Terry Schilling. I got to ask you, with all your beautiful family and kids, how was your holiday, Terry? You know, Sergio, it was so good. Uh, we really unplug uh, at the end of the year, and uh, this year was no different. Uh, kids were all happy, and, uh, you know, we got number seven coming in March, and uh, <laughs> very, very excited. Uh, it should be, should be adventurous times for us. Man, that means you'll be visiting the toy section for the next uh, at least 10 to 15 years every <laughs> time you go to the store. Dad, let's go to the toy section. Let's go to the toy section. Okay, so, you know, there's a, a, a debate between, I know this is off the, the, the path you and I were supposed to talk about, but just curious if you know the metrics on this. So you got Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley that are going at it, a little debate on that network we will not mention, that clueless news network, CNN. Did they, did they raise the bar really, really high as far as fundraising and polling data where it's only these two, or did Krispy Kreme, Christy, uh, and Vivek decide not to participate in the Do you know? Uh, you know, I don't know, actually. I mean, frankly, Sergio, like, this race really hasn't been a race. And so yep. I have not – Donald Trump has had this thing locked up, and uh, rightfully so. I think that the voters are um, – you know, they know that he's been treated unfairly and they want to give him another shot. And, you know, we're kind of rebellious as Republicans. If you're still a Republican, you really don't have a problem protesting the system. and You don't care what other people think at this point. Um, and so I just haven't been paying attention because it's not a real primary. It's it's the it's the B team, right, yeah. debating. And, and we, we all know who the nominee is going to be. Sure. And we, we normally look at individuals that are in second, third, you know, behind the front runner as potential Veep candidates. And this is what I, why I called you. I normally wouldn't be talking about an irrelevant debate. Uh, you know, it's going to provide some interesting audio cuts for the following news morning. But normally the, the people in second, third place might be considered as running mates. Uh, and in this case, none of them would be, I think, would be considered as, as running mates. Uh, I, mean, I think an ideal ticket would be Trump DeSantis, but, you know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, um, Nikki Haley, uh, I don't want that one. Uh, Vivek, I, I don't know, maybe I want Vivek to be around the table there in a Trump administration to put in his two cents and put in some, some ideas. But in your mind, who do you think would be a good pair for a nominee Trump in the near future? Well, you need someone that's going to bring something to the table as your vice president, someone that brings a group of voters to the table or helps clarify what your priorities will be as president. And frankly, you know, I think the future, you know, my wife and I were talking about this primary field and she was saying that she was depressed because, you know, there's no one that really stands out and this is all the GOP has to offer. And I, I told her, I said, now the future of the GOP is smart enough not to run, right? The next Trump, the next Reagan, the next superstar we have, they, know, they knew to stay out, out of this race and not to challenge Trump. They knew what time it was. And there are very few people that know what time it is today. Uh, I think, you know, someone like a Sarah Huckabee Sanders would be very good. Hmm. Uh, she's very serious, and she's someone that I would like to see as the future of our party on the national stage someday. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't rule out Vivek. He's been so impressive to me 
Uh, I know his background, you know, I know that people have issues with, you know, where he, where he's coming from, but he has been so clear in his, uh, condemnation of this regime, this tyrannical regime that's in power. He knows what time it is. So, and he's been very supportive of Trump. He hasn't, you know, made this entire race about attacking him. I, I could see Trump doing that, but I, it, it's a, it's a short field and, um, I just hope he doesn't go with someone like a Nikki Haley, right? That's been rumored. They've been floating that out. I think someone like that would actually do damage to our efforts in, in 2024 you know, and, and for the future of the party. Of all the friends that I've been talking about you know, in the political sphere, you're the first one. Maybe I missed this. You're the first one who mentioned Governor Sarah, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, because you're right. They need to be spot on on messaging quick on their feet. And be able to, you know, shoot from the hip. One, two, three, major points. Uh, th- that's what they represent. And we know how good uh, now Governor Sarah, but we know how good she was when she was at the podium at the press office, just being able to shoot and defend and have everything. And, and this salient message that was reduced down to easily digestible points. And she might have that and, and offer uh, some. Solid strength. I was going to say to you what I've been saying to other friends. I, I say Dr. Ben Carson, you know, brain surgeon, and of course, oh, he's phenomenal, right? With a great story for all kids, black, white, uh, Appalachia, white kids, poor kids, Latino kids, whoever. It's an all America success story. The success through academia and discipline and determination. The, the opportunities that are afforded, not guaranteed in this country, afforded in this country. Take advantage of them. I think Dr. Ben Carson. I don't know if on the communication side he might have it to to shoot from the hip, but, man, his story would be powerful. Um, Anyone else come to mind? (laughs) You know, uh, I hadn't – I mean, he's always in the back of my mind. I I have so much respect for Ben Carson, but – I, I, you know, I, I just don't know. You know, you got these swing states of Arizona that we got to win. You got Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Um, but no, you know, no real superstars. Kind of, he could go with like a Carrie Lake, uh, as VP. I, I just don't know. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to choose the right guy. He, Trump, you know, comes down on the right side of things usually. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I just, I feel bad throwing Sarah's name out there because uh, I don't know if she actually wants it, you know. And, and I, but she she is a friend, and I, I was a skeptic of her. You know, we had I had kind of like a, a rivalry with her because of the 2008 uh, primary. I, I was working for Sam Brownback, who was running for president, and she was obviously working for her dad, and they they kicked the crap out of Sam Brownback, <laughs> you know, really beat him. But she worked at APP for a while, uh, running our super PAC. Uh, she actually was the founder of it. And um, she really won me over. She's a sincere person. She's authentic. She works hard. Um, you know, I just, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. She's been very good governor. So, right. uh, but yeah, I, I can't think of any other names really. And that's all right. It's more of a reflection on me. I think, well, it's a good thing anybody. it's not our problem. That's something for, uh, for Trump to figure out. He and the team. All right. Thank you much, Terry. A success in 24. And uh, a big hug to your beautiful, wonderful family. Uh, political commentator, GOP, conservative, Terry Schilling. This is The Sergio Show.
News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let's protect your passwords, your bank account, your websites. Cybersecurity Pro Morgan Wright is my guest. How was Christmas? How was New Year's, Morgan? How'd you do? Uh, I'm I survived. Uh, we didn't uh, have to file bankruptcy, so I think all is good. Oh, well, good. And success in 2024. I, I pray for you. Okay, man. Now, I, my lead question was artificial intelligence, and I'm wondering if you had a chance to think about how AI might be helping the bad guys in the near future. You know, absolutely. And I'll tell you how it's helping, because we've all had these phishing emails that come, I'm a Nigerian prince, I'm this, I'm that, or you get something that looks like it's coming from a bank, but they've got spelling errors, so they're not well formatted. Here's what's happening. The crooks, the, 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 the spies are using chat GPT to craft emails that look so good, they even fool the banks or the institutions that they come from. They look so legit. The wording is so good. It's not the traditional red flags anymore that you got with spelling errors or contextual things or cultural references. So, yeah, it's getting harder and harder to detect a lot of these things. And so people are thinking, oh, it looks good. It, you know, smells good, you know, feels good. I'm just going to click on the link. And that's where they're getting caught. How do you protect against something like that? Because, look, I'm thinking the easiest way is to source the origin of of those emails if they're coming in from North Korea, they're coming in from Africa, they're coming in from China. Well, red flag, red flag. You know, there's, there's. I don't think there's a reason why software can't catch the origin. And, and sometimes there are characters in their original language that are in there that it would be easy to flag. I, I just anecdotal look in house. Yeah, you know, we, we've we've got we've got a it, firewall in house, but we still get every now and then. I still see emails come through our system here at this radio group that have Chinese lettering to it. How, how did that get through? <laughs> you know, good question. It, it, you know, a lot of it, you know, no system is perfect. That's why you kind of got to layer things. But one of, the, one of the key things is if you get an email and you're not sure about the origin of the email, a lot of people don't have the technical expertise to go look in the headers and say, okay, where did it come from? One of the best ways is if it's, if it's somebody asking you to take an action, a credit card, a bank, a healthcare company, whatever else, don't click the link in the email. If they sent you an email, I promise you there will be a notification in your dashboard of whatever institution that comes from. So go to the authenticated website, log into something you know and you trust, and see if the message is there. This is what's happening, Sergio. They're sending out a bunch of stuff. And look, you don't have to, you know, they don't have to be lucky all the time. They just got to be lucky once. That means you're going to get so fatigued. One of the days you're going to accidentally click on something you don't mean to. And that's what's going to happen. That's what happened at MGM with the uh, who were able to go to LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, find information on an employee. So much was there. They were able to call the help desk and impersonate them and be able to log in. There's so much information about ourselves out there. It's very easy to get fooled by some of these things because they make it sound like somebody knows you. And here's, here's what I want you to do. 
And the headline this week was a major government agency that is overseeing currency and, and trade. They got punched as well. I mean, if, if we don't have firewalls to protect something like that, man, we're still way too vulnerable. From Sentinel One Chief Security Advisor, Cyber Terrorism Pro, Morgan Wright. And let's take inventory now, Morgan. We've talked about this plenty for several years here on the talk show. Yep. Uh, infrastructure, transportation, where do you see the weak points in our country? Because I'm sure there are Iranians and other individuals who want to do uh, harm to, to this country. Uh, North Koreans, they would love to shut us down, shut down the trains, shut down the planes, and maybe even uh, negatively affect water systems and other systems that are, that are very vulnerable. Where are we weakest? What's the weak spots? Uh, between you and I, what are the weak spots in our, in our country? <laughs> and don't don't tell anybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's use that story you just talked about the SEC. This is where we're vulnerable. This is how it affects systems like power, water systems. What happened at the SEC is somebody did. A lot of people don't realize you can protect your mobile phone account at the carrier by putting a pin on your account so nobody can call in and pretend to be you, which is exactly what this person did. And because the person at the SEC did not have two-factor authentication on the Twitter account, they were able to do what's called a SIM swap and take over that account. It is, Sergio, it is so easy to get access to these things. We saw this happen with a group called the Cyber Guardians. It's an Iranian proxy group where they went and attacked uh, water supply systems like up in uh, Pennsylvania. And they attacked this controller because it was made by an Israeli company. But guess what? Shame on the people who installed it. They kept the default password there. So, look, I just I wrote an article last week, which I ended up doing quite a few interviews on. It was for the Daily Mail, but it was analyzing the movie that came out. Um, on, on Netflix uh, that the Obamas were involved in, but it's you know basically it's an end of the world thing. But you know what I the 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 key takeaway from that is yeah there's a lot of things that happen, but I tell you if you want to throw a society into chaos you hit it on the head. If I want to do things I go after Maslow's hierarchy of needs the things that are necessary for survival that's power that's water. If I take out your bank you know it, it, there'll be some issues with that there might be some um, you, you know nervousness and. Oh, but, you know, we'll handle that. People are a little bit used to that. But if you come home and nothing works, the water isn't on, the power's off. Mm -hmm. That gets to the core issues of survival. That's what they're after. That's what yes, they're sir. trying to do to disrupt our society. And especially during a very bad winter where people could freeze to death or a bad summer where, you or know. Or a very bad, very hot summer where yeah. there's no AC and all the power's out. Yes, sir. And you got a lot of people that are, would be vulnerable. You know, and, and I failed to mention this time, uh, this last time you and I spoke, but I'm thinking at, at at key installations, water, power, um, uh, other critical infrastructure um, entities, two-factor authorization um, for all employees, for all sites, uh, make sure to, to confirm that. Also, the virtual private network thing, if it were set up at all of these institutions, I think that would be a massive firewall help protect the entire country if everybody adopted and marched in that same direction. Just want to get your thoughts. Yeah, you know, um, there's there and there's actually some advancements on what you were just talking about, VPNs, virtual private networks. There's ways to do it now that's much more efficient, but it does the same thing. It creates a secure connection. Multi-factor or two-factor authentication ought to be used on everything that it's available just just like the SEC account on Twitter. You know, why, if you're a government agency and you're on a social media thing, something that can influence, I'll tell you what happened on the, the Twitter hack too. Somebody made money off of that, Sergio. Yeah. Somebody used that to create confusion to make money. Um, it ought to be mandatory law 
that you have two-factor authentication on all of these accounts. You know, there was years ago the AP account was hacked, and they said there was a bomb, there was an explosion at the White House, and it caused the markets to drop. Yes, sir. There are real-world impacts to this when you don't secure your accounts or you don't protect your your conversations and your data, you know, point to point end to end. You gotta you gotta encrypt things at rest. You have to encrypt things in motion, and that gets into whether you use, you know, even personally, there are pe- there are solutions out there for users where you can get a free VPN or you can pay to upgrade to get you know a better yeah, performing one. No excuse you, you can a lot of these things are already encrypted, but you've got to make sure you protect yourself yeah. because guess what? They're going to come after you there's, to get to the radio I, station. My, there's no, yeah, to get there's to the no excuse, yeah, especially for a key government entity. There's no excuse uh, why they should not be on, on VPNs and, and several factor or um, authorization uh, confirmation of, of identity. Thank you, Morgan. From Sentinel-1 Cyber Terrorism Pro, Morgan Wright. This is The Sergio Show.